I, I tell you what, man, th- there are two in particular creepy stories that I got out of Washington. I'm going to tell you ladies something. And, and I know now, lucky for you, Lisa, you moved away from that that hellish area. Um, sorry that you still live there, Carla. But anyway, what I was going to – just kidding. What I was going to tell you is there's two stories in particular that scare me. And, and, I, and I get hundreds of stories. So – Every time I drop a show too about a particular topic, I, I bunch I get a bunch more stories. But the two that scared me were not the Sasquatch stories. I, I've gotten probably I'm, I'm sitting on probably a dozen Sasquatch sightings up in Washington, just just in Washington, yeah. Washington Oregon corridor in the West. I'm talking yeah. like from Eugene all the way up to Seattle, all the way up to freaking uh, Vancouver. You know, Vancouver, oh, Canada. Yeah. That that whole corridor. It's just is just inundated with it to the west, you know. It's like an you know you got that huge forest, you know that arboreal mm-hmm. forest is there. But the the two creatures that sightings that I got that were terrifying. One I'm gonna I'm gonna do a show about this, so I'm not gonna give it away. But one involved a, a creature that looked like a deer, and oh, uh, wow. and it was it was yeah it was in this happened in Washington, and this one was. Uh, I believe this one was near uh, you know what I want I want to say this one was like just south on the border of the border just south of the Canadian border and it was it was like in between Seattle and, and Vancouver and going up in that area and somebody was cam- they were camping up there but it wasn't like they were camping it was like they were sleeping and out and and they were in a truck but it, it involved something that looked like a deer and the other one I got was in, I got to look, but I think it was in the National Forest that's west of Seattle, whatever that area is that, uh, yeah, and I got I to gotta go look at my notes, but it was a, what some people are calling now a Wendigo or a crawler, but the, oh, the, no. the story is the rake. I don't want, yeah. I don't want that up here. <laughs> yeah, and it was a rake type creature and it was, it was jumping from tree to tree and these people saw it and they were like, oh my gosh, what is that? Um, an even weirder story I got was something very similar to that, but lucky for you, this happened clear across the country in Vermont. And I know this one happened in Vermont because I just got it recently. And it involved, uh, these people walking down a trail and they had, they saw what looks like this giant ape like creature and it was staring up into the tree and there was a rake. And, and then there's a whole, there's a whole other part to that, but I'm not going to get into it on this show because I'm going to do a show about it. But there was a rake type entity up in the tree. And they could I'm only, going to be listening. <laughs> yeah, they could only make out like part of the body and the leg and they just took off running. And then this squatch type creature looked like it was shaking the tree, which I, I, I just can't even, I don't even know what, you know, where to begin. Like, you know, like what it was doing. You know, I mean, they gave me more. There was mm. descriptions of the creature and everything else, but I couldn't even yeah. tell you what that was, like why it was doing that. Because they were like, why do you think it was doing that? I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, mm. I don't I don't have the Bigfoot here to ask. <laughs> to, to ask. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me, Sasquatch, uh, is there a reason why you had that creature up in the tree? Were you shaking the tree? Were you playing with it? Were you trying to kill it? Or, uh, I have no idea. There's just so many weird things uh, roaming around out there. And I know, I believe, and I'm not 100%, folks might be at home going like, that ain't right, that ain't right. But I think that the, there was a story I did, and, and, it, and it was in Washington. I believe it was in Washington. 
Um, and it was the Halloween, the last Halloween episode. The first Halloween episode we did uh, was was the 2019 one. And that one was with my friend Chief, who's actually half native. And then the other one, and we talked about all kinds of stuff. The, the, the last Halloween episode, I believe, we, we talked about blobs, like gelatinous blobs. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and, and, and there was somebody up in Washington. I believe it was Washington, if you go back and you listen. Oh, yeah. That was in Oakville, Washington. Yeah, well, yeah, that was there. There was that was an incident, but there was something that happened. This woman, she was jogging or something, if I remember correctly, and she told me she'd leaned back on a tree, and there was this pinkish goo that was trying to come, like it was coming toward her, and she looked, and there were like several pieces of it, and they were all coming together to make one big blob-looking thing that was reaching out for her. Oh wow! So, yeah, it was like really weird, and she she got away from it, and she looked around. And it was all over the place, and then, yeah, and then recently I got a story just very similar to that blob thing. It was out in West Texas, you know, and and I called in to my friend's show, uh, Jason Bland's uh, talk. Uh, it's uh, Paranormal Soup, and I asked the guy that was the guest if he'd heard anything about this because it was raining, and then all of a sudden this pink gelatinous sludge began to fall onto this guy's windshield and they it, it literally turned into like millions of tiny little pink uh critters that almost looked like spiders but they were flipping <laughs> and i don't wow. even know how to describe it but that that was that was a weird story i got but it it kind of reminded me of the one up in washington i don't know washington you got a lot of weird stuff up there so <laughs> yeah apparently so <laughs> i've heard of some weird some weird things like up in washington I, I spent some time up there too i spent some time uh messing around up there in washington oregon or the dalles you know and the the the, the river the columbia you know and, and like from one side to the other is oregon and the other side's washington and, I, and i've been all over that area like quite a bit i enjoyed uh going up the olympia is beautiful uh, spoke oh, yeah. Spokane is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Oh, bless you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Tacoma. Um, I like Tacoma. Um, we stay. I think we stayed last time we were up there. We stayed up in Kirkland. Oh yeah. For like a day or so, and and the the most cruddiest hotel you could possibly imagine. Uh, and I think the, I've been there. <laughs> it was like a bed that was like a, a, a really literally like a jail bed. Like I got arrested for littering one time. No, 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 no lie. I used to get, I used to, I used <laughs> no to be a, a gangster. I'm not kidding. I used to get, I used to do all kinds of crap and they couldn't get me. So they got me for littering. So I did a day and a half in jail for littering and, and the cops roughed me up too. I'm not kidding. I was in the back of a wow. paddy wagon and they formed me and then they, they threw me on the ground and tripped me. And I guess cause they couldn't pin anything. So they were angry. So, these cops, they they busted yeah. me up a little bit. wasn't wasn't the last time they did it either, but uh, I ended up going and being in jail, and you know, I'm with all these people in the holding tank, and they're like, "Yeah, I was fighting in public. One guy had drugs on him, another guy was DWI. What are you in for?" And I'm like, "Littering." <laughs> and <laughs> I'm a hardened criminal, so I got I got really tired. So they put me after about eight hours. I said, "Man, can't you put me in a cell?" You know, so they stuck me in this little holding cell and. They had this like metal bunk, you know, with the with the just the plastic mattress, or whatever. But I was so tired, I didn't care, you know. I just took a nap, and and, and the next day I, I got out. But uh, I remember when when we rented the the hotel at Kirkland, and this has nothing to do with anything other than just whatever. But 
and I told my wife, I said, look at this little, it was, it was a full size little bed thingy sticking out of the wall. And I was like, we're supposed to share that. Okay. I'm six foot four, 345 pounds. We're supposed to share that right there. And she's like, well, we'll make it work, you know? And so we did and, and nearly killed, nearly killed her, you know? And I was like, she woke up and I was like, sorry, <laughs> like, but, uh, yeah, my arm was even arm and leg were hanging off the side of it. And I was like, it was like literally like chained, like bolted to the wall. It was weird. And I told my wife, I was like, that's the second time I've slept on a prison bunk. And I was like, geez, you know, like, it's just like, what are you talking about? I was like, look at this. Th-. I was like, I literally slept in one of these in, in the city jail. I was like, it looked just like it. And, and the hotel was so garbagey. That I that I was actually going to get my my rotten bologna sandwich with the rotten orange in, in the paper sack, and they're like, "Oh no, we have a continental breakfast." Oh, okay, so that's the only difference between being in the city jail in Austin and that hotel up in Kirkland. But uh, yeah, it was pretty rotten. I was just like, "Man, this is you know, this sucks, man." But I felt even worse for the guys we were with. They 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 had to try to make do. One of them slept on the floor, and the other one took the 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 other bed and. It was pretty awful. Like we were all kind of crammed in there, but we had fun in Seattle. We went all we went all over. We went to the market. Oh uh, yeah, Pikes. Pikes, yeah, Pike. And then and then we did the little. We we went to the little museums and we had the little tour. Where we went to the little aquarium and then we we got on that Ferris wheel, and uh-huh. uh, cool. And we started jumping up and down in there, and they literally we got in trouble because it was me, Chris, my my friends, uh, Scorpion. And my wife got so scared she she got on the ground <laughs> and I was like I'm sorry because we we were just messing around you know we were just goofing around and we got way up to the top so when when they when they brought us down they literally warned like hey knock it off because ours was moving around you know and I was like okay sorry you know <laughs> because we were we were we were we were trying to scare my wife a little bit but it got kind of carried away and and when she got really upset and she put her foot down and was like stop you know and then i was like okay all right fine we were just rocking it back and forth and so you know she's like you're gonna get us in trouble and i'm like that's not why you want us to stop you just you're just scared but yeah it was it was pretty cool we had fun uh in seattle and we were there for a few days but man it was expensive and i'll tell you something else that the space needle or whatever it's called the whatever, yeah whatever oh, yeah I've been to the one in San Antonio. I've been to the one in Dallas, and they're they're all different. All three of them are really different. Like, I had a buddy who came down one time, and he was like, "Yeah, I've been to the one in Seattle. It's the same." And I took him to the one in San Antonio. I said, "No, it's not, dude. The one in San Antonio is a completely different experience, and it really is. They all three are different." But that one, which up one's in, the best? I like the one in Dallas. The one in Dallas was really cool. It, it, it was you get a better view of everything because it's uh, it's flatter. It's a it's a flatter area. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. one in Dallas at night is really kick kick. Uh, I was going to say the a word, but kick butt. And it was really cool. San Antonio's cool, but it doesn't have a big skyline. Uh, it's a huge city, but it doesn't have a big skyline. But Dallas has all these buildings, and they light them up at night. And so. It, if you go in the daytime, it's a really different experience from when you go at night. So I've been in the daytime yeah. in both the one in Dallas uh, and San Antonio. So I've been – it's a different experience. Now, the Space Needle up in Seattle, get this. I, I go up there while it's still daylight, and then it becomes night. So that was cool. So I got to see the day and the night. And so that was cool. And yeah. the weather is pretty awesome. I like the weather. And everybody there was really cool. The, the best fall I've ever had, you know, the, these people. And believe it or not, like one of the guys was from Austin. 
And so that was crazy. Oh. We were like, hey, what's up? You know, Austin. And he's like, yeah. And we were, and so we we had this 24-hour uh, place we went to go eat at where they sold pho. Uh, it's a Vietnamese mm-hmm. dish. It's very right. good. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. My daughter-in-law and, loves that. Oh, yeah, it's good. I have to be <laughs> careful because of the sodium content now, but it was delicious. And, and we ate it the next day, too. And then we went and we had uh, chowder at the uh, – at the what is it called Lowe's and then the in the Athena, we ate two different places down there by the by the Pikes uh, Pier, Pikes whatever it's called Market. Yeah, but I gotta admit the people aren't the most friendly. They're, they're really not oh, in Seattle. Not friendly, no, not friendly. There, there were a few, oh, wow. you know, a few people that were friendly, but not for the most part. Like, like I walked up to this getting, lady that, getting like New York. <laughs> I've never been in New York City. I've always heard, you know, New York City, everybody's like, you got to go to New York City. It's crazy, you know, and I've I've never been. I've always wanted to. I've never been in the, the, the that, that area, the northeastern seaboard, way up to that area. But uh, I've been all over everywhere else. And I, I walked up to this lady, and she looked like a kindly little old grandma. You know, she was selling flowers. And, huh? uh, and we, we were, we got separated, all of us. And so me and, I found Scorp. So I asked him, I said, dude, you know, we got to find Nellie. And so Nellie's calling me and she's like, I don't, I'm trying to tell you, she's trying to tell me where she's at. She's like, I'm over here by this place. They're selling fish. And I'm like, okay, because it's a big market, a lot of people. And so yeah. I, I go up to this little old lady and she's so, she looks so kind, like this grandmotherly looking woman, you know, and she's <clears throat> clipping the flowers. She's selling uh, flowers. And I go up to her and I'm like, ma'am, I said, I'm trying to find uh, the, the name of the, I forgot the name of the place. It was like, and she goes, she just points. She doesn't even look up at me. She doesn't acknowledge my existence. Doesn't even, probably doesn't even know who or what I am. Just, she just points and she goes, and don't go there. Go to the Athena. It's much better. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, that's where I'm supposed to meet. And she goes, whatever. And I was like, good gosh, these people are. <laughs> Not wow. friendly at all, and then we ended up going because one of the guys we were with was a pain in the butt, and he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't eat seafood. So you're you're, you know, you're in Seattle, and and that's you're famous for the fish and the seafood and everything. And this guy doesn't want to eat seafood, so we had to go to some other place that was like a steakhouse, and and it was such a pain in the butt. And and they we weren't eating, so the waiter comes up to us and says, he's like he's like if you're not going to eat, you can't you know you can't sit here. So we were just sitting there, and I was like, well, we're with him. He's eating. And then he goes, well, let me go ask my manager if that's okay. And I'm like, what? Like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I don't remember the name of it. I just remember it was like, it was like a, there was like glass all the way around it. I don't remember the name of it. And it was sitting on the water. And the, the, the manager came out and said, no, that's fine, y'all, as long as he's eating. And the, and the <clears throat> later on, the uh, waiter came back out and was real apologetic. He goes, look, I'm sorry. He's like, but we have these real strict policies about people coming in here and not, uh, if you don't order food, we, we, we ask you to leave. And I was like, even if you're with someone who's eating, he goes, well, yeah, but we've had people, you know, you know, do all kinds of whatever. And I'm just like, man, this is weird. And I've never heard anything like that. But, you know, Seattle. Yeah. Guess it takes all kinds. And, and, and I haven't been there in a couple of years. So, and I know that all that upheaval and stuff went on last year. And I was just glad I wasn't up there for that. But we had it down here in Austin, too. So, you know. But, uh, ladies, you guys have been uh, wonderful telling your experiences. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, I just want to say that, you know, as far as the 
ghost experiences. There was so much more, but I picked out the highlights in my mind. But some of the other things that I would consider highlights, it's just too long of a story, you know. Go on and on. We've been on here for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if there's any other stories you want to want to tell, I mean, before we go, I mean, just you know, and the listeners can listen if they want, or they can. If there's anything else you guys want to say, um, well, I can go on with my stories forever and ever. I mean, I have a whole notebook sitting on the table um, with my experiences that went on. Um, I did have an experience coming home um, one night uh, where I saw a UFO. Yeah. Did you want to tell um, us about that? I can tell you about that. Well, we'll tell, let, um, tell, tell that one and we'll close out with that. Okay. Um, I, I used to work for the Department of Corrections, and um, I worked long hours. And this night I got off at midnight, and so I was driving home. And I turned on to Waldrick Road um, to go towards my house. And off to the right, I had noticed something out of the corner of my eye. And so I kind of slowed down, and I could see this triangle in the sky. And it was probably about the size of two football fields. Um it had white lights on each corner, and it had a red light in the middle, and it was like hovering above the gravel pits, and it slowly made its way um, down the road a little ways, and then it crossed over the road and over onto um, Nelson's ranch, and it had... Um, it had gone above his, he has a great big red barn that's out there in front of his field. And it had gone over that barn and right above the trees. And I was, I was following it and I wasn't really, I was, I was in awe, you know, oh my God, you know. And so I, I'm going around this corner and I'm thinking that, you know, I'm going to see it when I get right through this little um, patch of trees and it goes down into this little hill. When I got to the hill, um, I looked up expecting to see it and it was gone. It just disappeared. And so uh, I sped home the rest of the way and I I got out of my truck and I ran into the house and I had um, told my daughter and my boyfriend at the time, I said, you know, uh, this is what I saw, you know, and I explained to them uh, about the UFO, and we sat outside for a long time, you know, trying to see if, you know, we might be able to see it again, but um, we did not see it again. It, but and it you was, called me, you called me and told me all about it. I remember yeah. that. It was, it was, it was huge. I just, I, I couldn't believe it. You weren't missing I mean, any time or anything, were you? No, I wasn't missing time. Because <laughs> yeah, that's when yeah, that's when something. <laughs> that's how abductions take place. People are like yeah, I was saw this, and then I was missing time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I was just astonished by the size of this thing and how it had just glided through the air, you know, really fully, like it was hovering and, and it was, you you couldn't hear any sound come from and it was completely quiet. And it but was, tri- you said it was triangular? It was triangular, yeah. Yeah, because I remember when you, you told me about this. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> Two encounters that I've gotten about these triangular, uh, the, 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 the really, really large ones, like the, the size of them is incredible. About it was a, huge. It was, it, they're absolutely huge. How many, like two football fields, three football fields? What would you say? It was about the size of two football fields. Yeah, yeah. It was that big. Mm-hmm. The, there's a woman out here in Buda that swears up and down. She saw one, and then there was a woman near Hutto, and they don't make a sound. Uh-uh, they absolutely are silent. It is so creepy. I had this guy up in, uh, another guy up in uh, Iowa. No, was it Iowa or Nebraska? Anyway, he was farming. It was way, and he said, dude, he's like, all I saw was some light. And, I, and then I, and I get out of my tractor, I look up, and there's this triangle. And it's just, you, there's lights on the ends of it. But uh-huh. he said you couldn't, it's just this massive, massive triangular looking uh, ship. And it just it just flo- flo- floated slowly over him. Uh, he said it absolutely dwarfed him, him and his tractor. I mean, it was like it was he was so tiny to it. I mean, it just that's the only thing that ever happened to him. He gave me that story, and it was just like he goes, "I don't know what it was. It was just this." But the the, the lady out in Buda said the same thing. She was coming home um, near Driftwood in an area that's no- it's notoriously uh, haunted. A lot of wrecks happen out there too. There's been like people have seen ghosts and stuff but that that it was a weird story she said this thing like came over the top of her and it just followed her for about 10 miles can you imagine trying to drive with that thing above you <laughs> uh-huh. and you're just going okay are you gonna take me or <laughs> what are you gonna do to me you know i'm <laughs> like i that would be nerve i'd be terrified it'd be a terrifying thing i mean and another thing i was gonna ask you lisa before we get get off of here i guess i said it a little prematurely but uh, let me ask you this. You, you, you had said something about, or, or maybe it was you, Carla, were telling me that, that this happened to Lisa's daughter, but, and then Lisa, I think you verified it or something when we had our conversation, something about the, when your daughter looked over and saw herself, but what was it? That's what I told you, uh, on our conversation. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the way I remembered it. But, um, yeah, I thought she saw herself. Mm. And she didn't look well. <laughs> is, is that and that's not um, true though, Lisa? Well, not that exactly. So Carla there, is there a liar. Is. There you go. I knew it. I knew it. I called it. I called it. <laughs> I knew well, it. She was over there like, I don't lie. And now you just we just stone cold busted you. I was waiting no, for that. And it is written in my book. Um it was Cassie. Mm-hmm. That was laying in my daughter's bed. Mm-hmm. And when Cassie rolled over, um, she saw an image of my daughter laying next to her, but she said she looked dead. Oh. Okay. Oh That's how it was. That's what it was. So, I can. I got confused. I wasn't lying. Yeah, <laughs> you were lying. But anyway, we'll, we'll call it confusion. Um, so the thing, the thing that she saw was the other, your other daughter laying there next to her. 
Explain um, who Cassie is. Okay, Cassie is um, Cassie is my best friend who had passed away. Um, it's her daughter. Oh. I'm kind of I'm kind of like the next mom. Oh, okay. Um, All right, I get it. I get it. Anyhow, Cassie was staying with us for a while, and uh, she was laying in my daughter's bed, and um, she rolled over and saw my daughter laying next to her, but was dead, mm. and my daughter wasn't even in the room. And this is the daughter, and which daughter was it that she saw? Was it the daughter that doesn't doesn't know about her abilities or the other daughter that has embraced it? It's the daughter that has the abilities. She has the abilities. Yeah. <laughs> and the other daughter is the one that you kicked, you had to kick out or something? Yeah. You had to kick her out? But but, yeah. but that was easy because she didn't have any abilities. She couldn't do any, like, she don't have any skills to combat you. So that's good. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> she can't conjure up anything. You're like, you're weak. Your abilities are weak. Get out of here. No, well, it's good that you um that your daughters are still healthy and everything's fine because, you know, just always pray. I mean, just keep prayed up because I mean, sometimes people see things and it's just there are demonic entities and they do play tricks and they do like to put doubt in your minds and your heads. And that that's the, just, just the truth. It really, they exist. Yeah. Well, I, I do pray a lot. I I pray every night. In fact, I think I kind of cursed myself. Huh. Um, <laughs> well, okay. I, I kind of just, I, I, I can't pray real fancy. So I just say a little prayer at night when I go to sleep. I said, I say, um, Thank you for the gifts that you have given me in life. I pray that I'm a blessing to others. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to be a better person and make better choices. And then I go through my list of, you know, what I, you know, what I ask to be done. And, um, <clears throat> well, I ask to be a blessing to others. Well, um, that led me, I believe that that led me to meeting my husband Merle and um we were we were together for about a little over three years or so. Um but I think my blessing to him was to come into his life and to show him what real love was. Mm. Um because I I've never been in a in a relationship where I really really loved somebody except for um, my boyfriend in high school Troy and um, my husband Merle I was deeply deeply in love with him and I think my blessing was to come into his life and to show him what real love was um, but a year. And nine days after we were married, um, he passed away to um, small cell lung cancer. I'm and so uh, I, I think that's what I was meant to do. I was meant to come into his life and to bless him with love before he died. And that's, that's a very touching story. And I, and I believe in that. I believe in that because there are all kinds of ways that you can, that people can help people and 
You you we you know people will come in and out of your life like like waiters, you know. And right. sometimes you touch people's lives and that you, you don't even realize that you do. And then right. other times they touch your life and maybe they don't know it, you know, and everything happens for a reason. And, you know, it says biblically that we are supposed to always be kind to strangers because we could be entertaining angels unaware. Right. It could be a exactly. test, you know, and all faiths have that same kind of uh, principle, like, you know, there's all kinds of stories, you know, uh, in all cultures of people being mean or mistreating, you know, someone. And it turns out that that person was divine or celestial, you know, and like they were right. they were there watching you. God was testing you and you, you didn't pass. That's why I try to be kind to strangers. But, you know, not just being kind to strangers, but trying to be as nice and, and as, as positive as you can within reason, you know, to people who, yeah. who, you know, you have in your life, because we're not promised to tomorrow. And, and when you spend exactly. all your time being upset with, especially a loved one, you know, you don't know how much time you have. Like I look at all the loved ones I've lost and I was talking to a buddy of mine who he's, he's about two, uh, he's about two years younger, two years younger than me. And he was in shock and how many people I've lost. Like we were comparing notes. Like he was like, he was like, yeah, well, I lost my aunt and I lost my grandma, you know? And he, then the list was kind of like, you know, he lost, he lost his friend, a guy that we both knew wasn't really, it was more of an acquaintance to me, but a friend to him. And then I began to go over my list and he was like, holy crap, dude, you've lost a lot of people, you know? And I said, yeah, I've lost a lot of people that I've, that I cared about very deeply. My mother recently, uh -huh. I lost my mom last month. Um, I lost my grandmother. I lost a woman that I considered my second mother. She was like a spiritual mother to me. I lost her. You know, I lost my great aunt, who was basically like a, a surrogate grandmother to me because my, my real grandmother died when I was just like two. And so I, I had all these people that I was very, very close to, had very strong relationships with my best friend, two of my best friends. Um... And then a very, very good and close friend, and, and, and then a guy that I worked with for several years. He died a few years ago, and I had to go, and I did his eulogy. Um, so I've lost a lot of people. I mean, a lot. More than the average person my age. Um, right. And, and, I mean, I'm talking, like, a, a lot. And so I – but I, but I, I look at it, and, and I, I have heard people tell me, well, I'd rather not get to know these people rather than have to meet them, and then they die. And I used to kind of feel like that. And then I started to to realize that you're in their life for a reason. And exactly. death is not the end. I don't care what any fool tells you. Just like it says in the Bible, and I can't give you the exact, I used to have the, these quotes like uh, written down. I don't have my notes in front of me, but it's it says in the Bible, the, the foolish man says in his heart, there is no God. You know, and, and, and that, that's a fool. And, and a fool who says that there is no afterlife or that there, that, you know, there's a great scheme to all these things. And this is a test in this life, in this world. And, and, it, and it's all, you know, every, the afterlife is all predicated on what you do here. I believe that. Yeah. And I don't believe that. I the believe that too. I mean, that's the truth. Very much. You know, and, and, and it's mm -hmm. not, to me, the ultimate goal is not to go to heaven or to avoid hell. I and mean, my nephews have asked me that since they're always, they would always ask me. I raised them, and they would they always would say, "Uncle Wolf, what, what what do you think about going to heaven?" You know, some kids at school were talking about hell. What do you think hell is? And I told them, I was like, "Your goal is not to go to heaven or hell. It is to live the best life that you possibly can, 
and do as much yeah. good as you can while you're here, and then God will take care of you. And if he decides that you need to be rewarded with some sort of heaven, then that's what happens. If he says, hey, you need to go here and do this, then you go do that. I don't look at it right. as heaven, hell, this or that. You know, that, that's not the correct way to look. You're not looking for a reward, and you're not looking to, to, to avoid a punishment. Those are very human things, and I believe that it goes beyond that. And I think that when you— I totally, totally agree totally with what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's sad that yeah. your sister pursued you in her anger, you know, because those are people who are hanging on to this world. When you cross over, mm -hmm. you tie up your loose. I believe that you tie up your loose ends and then you move on. And I think that that's it. And if, and if you go, the transition is smooth and you go and you do what you have to do in the next life. I'm not trying to get preachy or proselytize people to believe my way. All I'm saying is that this is what I believe. And I believe that you had that gentleman in your life and you showed him a hundred percent what true love was my wife that, that, that I'm with, you know, and she's actually, she's actually mad at me right now. It's <laughs> like literally <laughs> as we speak right now, she's mad at me. Okay. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where hopefully when she listens to this, it'll probably be weeks from now, but she'll listen to this and she'll be like, Oh, Okay. And um, I'll tell her, honey, remember when you were really mean to me and doing all those mean things? That, that's when I recorded that. So anyway, I'm just kidding, <laughs> Nellie, if you hear this. Well, no, my wife, she's kind of miffed at me right now. But you know what? My wife came into my life and she showed me what true love was because I had had multiple relationships and they were not e even longer ones, you know. And I can sit here and say that I have um, that I've been fortunate. I guess I've never really had. Um, I've been with a lot of people who've been like, uh, kind of mean to me. I'll, I mean, I'm going to, I'm just going to come out and say it like in the way that, that, that I felt, I feel like they were kind of smothering or jealous, you know? Um, yeah. I've had, I've had that a lot. I've had a lot of jealousy accusations and I've never been a cheater, never been a, one of those kind of people. And, uh, and I've had people, I've had, I was accused of it and mistreated for it and stuff. And I was just like, this is not correct. You know, this is not me. Uh, the the uh, the thing I was trying to say though is I think you came in, in into his life, uh, Lisa, uh -huh. and I think that there was a purpose for that, and I think that you showed him. You know, and I think that that's what my wife did for me. She showed me um, true love, like I've never felt before. I think there was only one other person that I was ever with that that loved me really strongly, but not in the way that 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 my wife now loves me and. Yeah. She told me, shoot, the other day we were we were talking about this, and she she literally said, and I'm going to open up to y'all about it, and the, the audience here. Um, she said that that it, it she's worried, she worries all the time. Something happens to me, you know, what would happen? You know, she, she she don't think she could go on. And I told her, you know, she said something to the effect of, "I, I wish it would have been better if we had not, you know, met than 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 me having to feel that pain that I would have to feel." And I told her, I don't I don't believe in that. Because to me, death is not the end. My mother died, <clears throat> and, and it was horrible. I had to watch her for two days. You know, finally she passed. Right. She passed, and um, she she was she, she was suffering. And I wanted I wanted at the end there. I was just like, God, please just take her. I just just let her go and let her have peace. I don't want her to have to suffer. Right. And we were just waiting for her to take her last breath. And but I I would not, um. 
like go back and be like, well, I don't want to be as close to her. So I didn't have to feel the pain, whatever. You, you can't think like that. You can't do that because every minute that you spent with that person was uh, special. And because that person, uh, he passed over having known what, what someone truly loving him was. Right. You did your part, you did um, your job and you'll see him again. Yeah. Um, after he passed, the one thing I can tell Nellie is, you know, I'm not, not to worry about that, things like that. When, when I lost M, I, I went through, I went through a lot because I had lost a couple of friends and my mother and M all in a short amount of time. But when I lost M, I, I got really angry for a long time because I couldn't understand how God had brought this beautiful man into my life just to take him away. And it took me a long time to realize what I had just told you, that he was brought into my life so I can help him ease out of this life and into wherever we go. Absolutely. And I, I know that he's here with me, you know, um, He's he's around, not all the time, but you know, when you when you talk about them, they they can come and be with you, and and they hear you. I, I know he hears me, so you know, um, no, he shouldn't worry about that <laughs> um, because it doesn't matter who goes before who that person that person's spirit will always be around yeah and I, and I believe that they can they can visit I mean I you know I believe that yeah, yeah. and that's and it's a you know I know there's a lot of of Christians and and Muslims and different types of people that believe that every type of spirit is a bad thing and that's not that's not correct I just I can tell no. you 100 percent that that's right. not correct and I, and I and I've argued with Christians uh, just recently, Christians and Muslims, who will tell me that 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 pets don't have souls. No, that's, that's not, not true. true. Yeah, that's no. not true either. I can tell you right now, no. I, that's not true. I've experienced it. I've experienced it a lot. Oh, oh really? Pets. Yes. Yeah. Well, you you guys are yep. gonna have to come back on the show when we talk when we do a show about uh, uh, people's pets and ghosts because I'm gonna yeah. be doing a show about that because I uh -huh. have I had to visit uh, my nephew Anthony who's not he he left the studio just for you know to go run some errands or whatever but uh, he had had a visit from his his dog and I and I know that it was Bowser um, that was his dog his little wiener dog and. Uh, yeah, I mean that I know that that there are um there is an afterlife and and pets are a part of it too, you know, just like we are. And uh there's so many people who close themselves off to uh, the reality uh, uh, that that we are actually and I I say this all the time, it sounds like a broken record, but it's the truth. We are spirits having a physical experience, not physical beings having spiritual experiences. It seems so right. That's hard. I believe that too. Yeah, it's hard to grasp because we're so we're so grounded with the density of this world. But uh, there, the, the, there's a whole another universe out there, and this is a very small part of it. Exactly. You know, but I'm just glad I that do. you were able to find um, love. 
and you were able to to help him um, be loved because that was probably a very important part of his journey, and you were able to be yeah. a very big part of that. And it sounds like you you did love him very much, and love transcends death. It does. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something else. I'll say this on the air, and I'll tell anybody. I'll I'll, I'll look anybody in the eye and tell them. Most of the of the of the people that I've loved in this life have visited me in 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 when they've passed over. It doesn't always happen immediately. It doesn't always happen uh, right away. But they will right. eventually. Like my experience was nine months after my mom passed is when she came with my dad. <clears throat> it was nine months later. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it happens, and and they'll come. They'll come see you. And, uh, or the, and they'll give you signs. You'll see signs. Um, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, that'll happen. And, uh, people think that everything is just cut and dry one way. You know, you go to heaven, hell, like an escalator or, you know, they think that there isn't any afterlife. I've, I've got friends. I, I feel sorry for them. I got friends that believe like that. They believe, you know, oh, well, we're energy, but there's no afterlife. There's no this, there's no that. Well, that's, that's not true. Yeah, you know, and I can tell you that right now. Another thing that, that I think we kind of touched on when we had our conversation the other night, one of the things that I remember talking about was there are spirits. Now, this is going to sound kind of weird, I guess, um, to the uninitiated at least. It, there is Bigfoot, but then there is a spiritual or, or ethereal aspect to it. But I also believe that if there is a physical Bigfoot, there could be a spirit that is a deceased Bigfoot. Now, why wouldn't that? Why is that not plausible? Right, you know? right. So you might have a Bigfoot because I I have a couple stories. You know, I'm not going to get into them, but um, I had a couple stories where people were, uh, and this happened in Texas um, near Bandera. You can look it up on a map, and uh, this family who was in in not I don't say contact, but like this. Squatch family was around, um, and they would see what looked like a male, female, and juveniles. And then eventually the male was no longer around. They never saw him. And then uh, they found like a pile of rocks. And the rancher actually believed that that was where the Squatch was buried. And so he covered it over with branches and some other debris so that it wouldn't be disturbed. And uh, but then shortly after that, the son saw what he thought was this this uh, that that ma- the male Bigfoot that had uh, like kind of white uh, on its lower uh, jaw, like it, like its beard. Uh-huh. And uh, he saw it just kind of like walk by his window, and he was staring at it, and it just kind of backed up, and it faded away, like just poof, you know. And, mm, and well, they really yeah. thought that it was like uh, the spirit of that um, Sasquatch. You know, and then when they moved from that area, uh, you know, th- they said that they kind of felt sad that the Sasquatch never bothered them. It was just those four individuals, and they would see them regularly. And uh, you know, they weren't like leaving them gifts or anything like that, but they knew that they were they were around. They would see them near their pasture, near the tree line, and the the most they had seen were four different ones. And then they stopped seeing the big one, and they think maybe something happened to him. But they, they, the son believes that he saw what was the spirit of this thing. So. Josh, do you remember our first conversation when I told you that when all this Bigfoot activity was going on, which is 
real recent. It's going on now, I guess. And my grandson and I were sitting in the recliner and a light flowed right in front of our patio sliding glass door. Went right in front of it. And my grandson says, my grandson says, what was that? I said, I don't know. I, I think it must have been an angel. But I'm thinking, no, <laughs> it wasn't an angel. I think it was related to Bigfoot. Could be. Very well could yeah. be. People see these things come out of lights, um, you know, and I, 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 do, I don't know, you know, what the connection is between the, the, the more physical and then the more spiritual. And I don't know if the, if the physical um, become spiritual or they just flow. I, I don't, I don't know how that works, but I do know that the light thing is something that, um, if you go back to the, to my show, uh, one of my last guests before my mother passed when, when I took my hiatus, uh, Richard, he was on the show and he talked about these, these dogmen coming out of these, this light, you know, that's a common phenomenon too. I've heard a lot about that. I've heard of people oh. Seeing these lights, and then the next thing you know, there's Bigfoot or there's Dogman. Right, right. Or uh, other insidious creatures. I've heard of a lot of other things coming out of these lights, too, like like troll-looking creatures and all kinds of stuff. Get Goblins-looking things, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when I see a, a ball of light, <laughs> uh, my tendency would be to get the heck out of there because you don't know what's going to come out of it, you know. I had some friends of mine at Granger Lake out here. They're chasing one. And I was like, that is ridiculous. And, you know, they're like, well, we saw this light, you know, this ghost light or spook light, as they call it out there. And they were chasing it around. And I'm like, that's that's not smart because you don't know what's yeah. going to come out of that thing. But, uh, <laughs> well, ladies, it's been nice uh, and talking to y'all and enjoyed sharing, swapping stories with you guys. Uh, Lisa, uh, thank you for coming on. And Carla, thank you for coming on. <laughs> And well, thank you for having us. You're welcome. Yeah, and You're everything was cool other than Carla. We <laughs> finding out that Carla's not doesn't tell the truth. Other than that, we had a good time. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but and other than that, we had a good time. And my growing up. <laughs> well, you never, you never know. I mean, it could have been somebody being trying to be ugly still. But then again, if, if it was, we just we can pray. That's all we can do is pray for them. But they'll find peace. That's right. Exactly. And uh, I appreciate I'm you guys. In, I'm still in the I'm still in the process of forgiving my my other sister. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it is so hard. You'll sit there and you'll you'll you know, and I'll tell anybody this. I, I have people that I'm supposed to forgive, and I'll sit there. Okay, my cousin, he's actually been on the show, Trey. If you go back to the uh, stories of Indian Reservation horror stories, he was on there. Okay. And he he should be a preacher. The guy's just very well versed. All he does is read the Bible, and he's you know he used to have a lot of problems with uh, different you know issues, and and he he's turned his life around. He's always he's always reading the Bible. He's always pre praying. You know he's he's trying. You know he does his best every day, and he and so he was telling me the other day that uh, there's these particular individuals, and he's like, do you do you feel bad about the things that went down? Because there was some stuff that took place um, that got uh, violent. And uh, I, he's like, you should forgive them. And I was like, I, first of all, I don't feel bad about it, and I don't, I, I just, I can't. I mean, they're fine. They're, they're still walking around, you know, being the crapheads that they are. 
you know? Um, and I, and I, I want to forgive them when I see them, I still want to slap them and, you know, as hard as I can, because they're not nice people and they were, uh, abusive people, you know? And I, and I told them, I said, I don't forgive, I, I forgive them, I guess. But if I told, if I, if I looked in my heart of hearts, I don't feel bad about smacking this dude. You know, I just don't. And he was like, well, you gotta, at some point, you know, relinquish that and let that go. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a process. It's very hard because I I, I feel the urge to smack him again every time I see him. And I just try to tell (laughs) myself, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna smack this dude, you know, and then. You know, come. Well, it would be it'd be so much easier if they would just admit something or apologize. Mm-hmm. One or the other, you know, it'd make it so much easier. But that didn't happen for me, so I'm struggling with it. I'm working on it. I pray about it, and I'll get there. I don't think I'm totally there, but I'm at least halfway. No, you're more than <laughs> me. I'm about ten percent. <laughs> and Trey was like, he's like, you know, Josh or Wolf, he'll call me Wolf sometimes, you know, they've been calling me that since I was a teenager, but he's like, Wolf, you got to, you got to let go. And I'm like, I will let go. Um, but if he ever mouths off and, and I'm, and you know, I'm going to say something and it's just, it's just going to pop off. So I just, there are people that I just don't, I do not, it's just best if I don't even think about them because anger in me will come up and I don't want that. I don't want those negative emotions. And, right. uh, you know, you, I, I try to ground myself. I do Wim Hof. I breathe and I pray, you know, and, and, um, I just, I just, it's, it's literally to keep myself out of trouble. It's not because, uh, I have any fear of, of people. It's just because I don't want to hurt people. And these, some of these, some of these people, believe me, they just, they do need an attitude adjustment, especially when you're dealing with an individual who would, would readily hurt you if they could. You know what I mean? You know if the shoe was on the other foot, they would be all over you. And this person has no qualms about hitting a female either. So it's like I just I have no use for this individual and, and, and have to be around him at any given time just makes you want to chew nails. And so my cousin was just kind of giving me an earful about trying to forgive and trying to let go. And then he asked me if I felt bad about some of the things I did back when I was younger. And I'm like, no. Not really. I try to. I try to. Really, I'm not a sociopath at all. I mean, I feel horrible about arguing with my wife or yelling at my nephew or something when you know, or arguing with my brother or something like that. But some of these people, you know, they just they're they are so sociopathic themselves. And I guess, you know, he was trying to explain to me and I understand this that actually, you know, some of these people, I think I I believe they're born that way. And you got to pity them because they have no redemption. They will never get on their knees and be actually sorry for anything they've done. So they really have no true connection to God or to the higher source. They have no way back right. to it. I mean, they have no way back to it. They will never right. go to that source. Um, some of them don't even believe in it. So there, there's that. And then there's those that do believe or know it's there and don't care. And then there's those that... No matter how hard they try, they will always just be evil and vindictive and rotten people, and there's nothing you can do about it. So the truth is, we should pity them. And just, uh, yes, yeah, that's how I've been working on forgiving my other sister is the fact that poor her, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. yeah, to be that jealous and vindictive 
she must have been in a lot of pain mm-hmm. to be that way, you know? And that's what I've been working on by focus, focusing on that, you know? And it's weird, too, how you said, like, <clears throat> here's another weird phenomenon, you know? It, it's it's like you'll have people who will absolutely love and dote on and care about a, gr- a small little little handful of people and then the rest of the world is like not it doesn't exist to them there's yeah. no difference between uh, uh, grabbing someone by the neck and and squishing a soda can like i i literally have dealt with people um being being da- being downtown austin for years and dealing with i dealt with some literally i mean you can look in their eyes and there is nothing behind those eyes that person sitting across from you if you wrong them financially or you did anything to them in any sort of disrespectful way they could probably kill you or have you killed and then go eat a sandwich and they would not even think twice about it and then they would go home and tuck their kids into bed and and read them a bedtime story and be the perfect dad and then and then in you know in in their in their real in their other life i guess their 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 life that they're hiding um they're psychopaths and and it's so weird because i've seen that i've seen that in these people and you're like wow they're like a lo- a loving doting you know father but then they're also a psycho that will kill anyone or do anything to anyone who's not you know a part of their circle or whatever and and it's very weird. It's a weird thing to I, I can't understand that kind of behavior. I'm tr- I try to be treat everybody you know the same as best I can. Of course, you're gonna love your 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 own folks. That's that's your folks. You know, you love them more than you love everybody else. I mean, you know, but you still got to treat everybody you know as best you can. Yeah. You know, equally. Right. Well, my experience with my sister Betty was that she was nice and. To everybody, she was a wonderful mother, wonderful grandmother, but she was not nice to our mother towards the end, um, and that was out of jealousy of me and my kids because my mother was so close to us. I used to be the black sheep when I was younger, and my mom and Betty were real close, and then it switched somehow especially when I had my kids, my mother and I got real close. And then she just went off the deep end and was mean to her own mother. And to me, she was just always backstabbing me. And I didn't even know about it. My mother's the one who told me. You know, and and, and that's not your fault, though. I mean. I know. You know, there's another weird thing to this, too. Like, I've seen people who are just awesome people who treated me really good and they'll pick out one or two people in their life and they'll just dump all their derision and anger and hate on those individuals. And I, and Mm -hmm. you don't know why, maybe it's something from a past life. I have no freaking clue and you'll just witness it. And you're just like, I don't understand this. One thing I, I saw, I know from my own, experience with when my little nephew Christian was born and he he was the youngest of the of all of you know my mother just was like oh my gosh this kid hung the moon I mean she just was like absolutely adored him that was her baby I mean Mm -hmm. you know and 
and she and me, like I, when she was living up here, you know, closer to me, I took care of her. I helped her. I did all kinds of things, um, everything from financially to just if she needed anything done, I had people would you know took care of her, whatever. And then she moved to go be uh, with, near my sister uh, down in Houston. And when Christian was born, I, I caught myself sometimes being jealous because I would be like, yeah, she wasn't mm-hmm. like that to me. And, you know, it's kind of yeah. like the joke, you know, like, it's like, like my, and Christian's like, oh, Nana's <laughs> such a sweet one. You know, she, I love my Nana. And I'm like, that's not the Nana. Your Nana is not my mom. <laughs> that's a woman that's trying to get into heaven. You know, that's because <laughs> she did not. She would never spank him or, you know, and she was just like, oh, Mahito, your little baby, baby, you know. And I kept thinking, I was telling Anthony, I was like, geez, dude, you and Christian had it good. I mean, y'all were, she treated y'all like y'all were, you know, little miniature gods or something. Me, I was just like, ah, whatever, you know. But, you know, my mom, she, you know, when you, as you age and you get older, you soften, you know, and you, and, and, and then when we were at the funeral, and this is kind of a hard, it's kind of a hard thing to talk about. Uh, my my one sister had made a slideshow of my mom's life, and we were watching it. And I look over and I see Christian, and he was he was sitting next to me, and he was bawling. He was just he was he was in so much pain that his eyes were closed, and he was clenching his fists. And I I reached over and I gave him a hug, and I thought, man, oh man, you know it, the, the the sad thing is that he's thirteen, you know, and my mom is gone, and he's not <laughs> gonna have her. I had her for 45 years, yeah. you know, and he had Nana for 13. And and I looked at it and I was like, kind of choking up on the air here, but I looked at it like, it's sad. And I should never have been jealous of that relationship because, you know, even it wasn't like a, like a severe jealousy where I was like, well, what's wrong? I hate this kid. Nothing like that. I love my nephew and I spoil him, you know, but I just, I thought, man, this poor kid, you know, he's lost his Nana at 13 and he's not, yeah. he's not going to have her anymore. Right. And so she, she, she compressed all the love, you know, that she spread out over 45 years of my life all into that 13 years, you know, and you got to look at it like that. And mm-hmm. she knew that her time on this earth was short. She always told me, she's like, I'm not in good right. health. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm not going to make it. And I'd always be like, mom, I don't want to hear this. Don't talk about this. This isn't true. And, and it was, and she knew it. And eventually the heart valve failed. <clears throat> then she had her stroke and it just was like, she, it that was, there's nothing they could do. It was just, we had to sit there and let her pass away. And it was awful. But yeah. Christian, uh, my nephew, I look at him and I, and I, I, I feel sorry for him now. You know, when, at one time I was kind of like him and Anthony were always like, come on, do anything for them. You know, Anthony got, you know, to 30 years with her and Christian got 13, but I got 45, you know, yeah. and, and my sister's right. got 51 and 50, whatever. So you're looking at like the, the time, you know, and, and I, and I think that my mother gave all she could to them before she left. Um, she, she mm-hmm. left it all out there. You know, she's like, you know, she used to tell me this, she had this saying, she's like, don't leave anything on the table, you know, do what you got to do, say what you got to say, get it out there. She was never right, one for mixing yeah. words. She never backed down from a fight. I learned a lot from her. She was a very tough woman, and she was very smart. My mother was a workaholic, too, though, and she, had, she always worked, and I was a latchkey kid, and I kind of resented that. You know, my mom and dad were math whizzes, you know, and, and um, so they were very intelligent uh, geniuses. I mean, honestly, they were. And But mm. I look at how 
Christian is, you know, and he lost he and and just just uh back in December he had lost his other grandmother. My my brother-in-law's uh, Roy's uh, mother died. So he lost her. And so then, you know, a few months later he lost Nana and Nana, and Nana my mom was like they they like he saw her every day. In fact, when she ended yeah. up going into the hospital, he was beginning spring break and he was going to spend it with her and and then she got sick and and of course it was just like he just you know i looked over and i just saw the anguish and pain in his eyes and i thought man at that moment i was already in my own pain but i was like i wish i could just take it away from him i can't do anything you can't right you know my mom died literally uh before and she 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 was resuscitated and she was dead for like 3 or 4 minutes but you know mm. death is immortal and all it has to do is beat you once and that's it. And, and even though she cheated it before, she she eventually lost. And uh, literally, you're talking about she, she had died twice before. Twice. Yeah, wow. And then she, then she eventually she, she passed. And I just kept thinking, you know, she's so tough. She's going to make it. And, and she didn't make it. And, and But uh, I just, I'm glad for the time that she was able to give to uh, my nephew. And he was able to at least have that 13 years with her. And I, I'm sad that I ever, and I, and I feel uh, guilty and ashamed that I ever thought, you know, jealous of him or Anthony because of yeah. how she was with them. And, you know, it was because she knew she didn't have a lot of time. So she had to push. Right. You know, that's, and, that, you know, you could be talking about my own mom. That's exactly how I feel that she felt, you know, when my my mom had me when she was forty, I heard I had my first son when I was forty, my second son when I was forty two, and my my sister Betty was twenty years older than me, and was having her own family when I was born. And I know it's timing. She was getting up there, and other things weren't as important to her as family and. I was with her a lot, and my boys were with her. They really bonded a lot, and it made Betty jealous. Where, yeah. yeah, but she, you was, know, she didn't, she didn't have the perception. And this is another thing too. And this, this shows. This is kind of a weird show. <laughs> we're talking about all kinds of different <laughs> stuff here, and I'm gonna let it go. I'm just gonna, you know, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I always talk about perception. I've taught my nephews. I've raised these boys. They're right. not they're not my flesh and blood, but I took Zane when he was fourteen and I adopted him, and then I had Zan Anthony when he was sixteen, and then I took Tony when he was seventeen. But he was practically raised with these other two because he was always at our house. Like he spent summers, you know, because him and his dad, who was I was always really close with, um, him and they didn't get along. They didn't get along for nothing. And so he was always like, Take him, please go, you know, take this kid, whatever. So he was always with us, you know, and he's Vietnamese. But uh, I, I, they, he was always with Zane and Anthony. They were always together, summertime, Christmas vacation, whatever. And uh, I was so close with his family um, that when, when my friend was still with Tony's mom when they were together, like I would always go over there for Thanksgiving, Christmas. Like we spent holidays together. That's how close I was to his uh, Vietnamese family. And it was very weird <clears throat> when Tony came to live with us there was a little bit of like, I guess from Anthony and Zane, you know, they were kind of like, oh, now we got this other kid living with us, you know, 
and and I had to kind of spend more time with Tony and 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 you know get him to be more adjusted to you know how we did things or whatever. And the kid wrecked two cars, like just. <laughs> two different cars <laughs> one that i gave him and it was anthony's old uh crown vic and he destroyed it and anthony was mad and then his mother had a car and the day that it got out of the shop he destroyed he wrecked oh, so he geez. he but he's he's done he's doing better like he, you know, he's had the same one for a long time knock on wood here but uh yeah he he had to and i told him i said look man you know you, you know you 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 had problems with your, you know, with, 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 with Chad, you know, y'all were always at at war, you know? And I told Chad, I said, dude, I'm going to raise this kid. Like he was my own kid, you know? And so he had to make the adjustments and I look at like how much time I've had with each one of them. I had the most, most time with Anthony and then Zane and then Tony came along and you have to spend the time as best you can with each one of them. And you care about them all, you know? And they all are, are individuals and they all do, you know, whatever. And, and you, I, t- I try to teach them that perception is everything, you know, and, and I've t- each one of them is on their own level with that. Like, I think Anthony has learned, he's of course the oldest, so he's had more time to study and learn the principles that I've tried to instill in him. And one of the main ones is perception is the key. Perception is the, is the, it's the uh, power. It's, it's the key that unlocks the intangible power of the spirit. Now, if you don't mm-hmm. have perception, you 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 you're, you you literally you're nothing without that. And the sad reality is, there's so many people walking around out there, and the younger generation, the millennials, they call them NPCs. Uh, what that means is non-playable characters. And now I used to game a lot. <laughs> I'm not so much anymore on time, <laughs> but me and my nephews, that was what we do. We'd game and we'd go to the river and we'd go to the coast and we, you know, that's what we did. We were always doing, you know, I'd spend a lot of time with them, took them, took them to all kinds of places, concerts and just did all kinds of stuff with them. And, uh, we would game. Well, you have these characters in these video games that are non-playable characters. Like they literally serve no function other than to just be a part of the storyline. And I, we, we kind of joke around, we'll, we'll meet someone who's just a mouth breather type person. I'm sorry to say that, but you, I mean, you talk to them and they're just like, they're not, there's nothing going on there. I mean, they have no <laughs> perception. They, they don't care. You know, they're just like, uh, yeah, welcome to Costco. I love you. You know, like whatever. Okay. Goodbye. You know, that's a non-playable character. That person does not care. They're uttering a phrase. <laughs> They don't care that, that there's just nothing. I mean, and then you 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 talk to them, and uh, I've had to be at functions, family functions, literally, where someone will bring somebody, and I'll try talking to this person, and there there is just nothing going on there. That person doesn't care about you. They don't care about life. They're just there. They have no. They just they're just there to have a pulse and eat and whatever. And it seems like <laughs> yeah. here lately we've been inundated with this type of individual. Um, I don't know if it's chemtrails or what's going on, but these people, there's a lot of them, you know, and I tell my nephews, I said, you see these people, they have no perception. They don't perceive anything, you know, other than, uh, what, what is they, they, the pursuit of physical pleasures, you know, upon this earth, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. and they pursue like, you know, getting high or drinking or, being promiscuous or whatever it is that these people are into, their pursuits are just banal 
and they're poor, everything out of their pore oozes that they have no perception. And that's what's sad now. If a person can look at things and, and perceive, you know, things correctly, then they'll understand, like what you were saying about your sister, if she could perceive that 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 your mother had to have you at that age and she had to put, you know, her time and energy and, you know, if she could have understood that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Then it would have made more sense to right. her and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have created this ball of anger in her that carried on even into the afterlife. Right. And and, right. and unfortunately perception is something that's lacking in our society. And one thing I taught Tony as soon as he, you know, started hanging out with us, you know, I kept telling him, I said, You're not you're you're having issues with, with your 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 uh mom's, you know, whatever husband because y- y'all aren't perceiving things clearly. You know what I mean? You're not you're not on the same level. You're not and you're not perceiving anything that he is trying to instill in you, and he's not perceiving anything that you're. All he's seeing is you being a bit resentful, and he thinks you're being ungrateful, and you're perceiving that he's being aggressive, and you know, and and of course, it's it's true on both ends, but it's but it's being uh, amplified by your own emotions. And right. that's a problem because people don't have perception. If people would stop and perceive the world around them, and that's another reason why so many people don't, they're not able to uh, see uh, Sasquatch or, um, you know, whatever type of, they're, they're like, I want to see one, I want to see one. Well, you have to have a certain wavelength to be able to see these things. And I believe that. And percep- right. it all begins and ends with perception. And if if you can see you know, with your mind's eye and, and, and channel that into the physical, then, then it can open up anything. And, and your spiritual eyes will not be open if you close down the perception in your mind, because I believe the mind is just the gateway to the soul. You know what I mean? Right. I, I believe that that's a connection there, that, 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 that it's consciousness and consciousness is on different levels. And I don't know if I got too deep there or whatever, but I think that that's, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah. I just think perception is the key. You know, if if you could literally stop and I was able to perceive, you know, what my mother's relationship was with Christian and why it was so important. And that's why, you know, she loved him, you know, and, and, and it wasn't that she loved him more. It was that she knew she didn't have as much time. So she had to pour more love into him. And now some yeah. people would say, oh, that's you making excuses. And no, that's what I saw. That's what I felt. That's yeah. what my spiritual heart told me, and that's what I come to came to realize. And so I let her have as much time with him as possible because I had my time with her, you know. And it was important. Well, this is all you know? making so much sense to me with what I've been through with Betty. I mean, you're practically telling my story. <laughs> so I totally, totally hear what you're saying, and I think that's what happened to me. You know, I totally do. Yeah. But I've never put it in the in the term perception. I've just always thought of it as jealousy, you know, which Which wouldn't wouldn't be there if she would have had the perception to understand. Exactly, exactly. Which is why the the holy books all tell us we can't fathom the mind of God, because we can't. Everybody's always like trying to say, why God, (laughs) why did you do and God's going like I am so tired of you people not having perception. I'm not speaking for God, but I'm just saying like, he's probably up there just exasperated going like, I gave you a brain, 
please try to use it. <laughs> Open up the power of the spirit. Please have some perception. Please stop, you know, because everything that happens happens for a reason, for a pattern. Um, you know, if, if, if something, God forbid, I, I drop, you know, and whatever, I, it's not for people to go, oh, he went too soon. Oh, he died. Oh, this and that. That's not the case. What you do is you celebrate my life and my, my, the good things I did, you know, all two of them. And then you say, I'm just, I'm just kidding. So you celebrate the good things I did in my life. And then you say, okay, God gave us such and such amount of years to this person and it was time to go. And then, you know, but that's so hard for the human to, 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 that's a concept that it's so hard for us because I want to pick up the phone and call my mother. I want to give her a hug. Oh yeah. And and, yeah, yeah. you can't, and you can't do that. But you got to understand that 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 she had her time and you had her time with you. Now that's why there are other people in your life because you now have to bestow the energy and time and love upon those people. You see what I'm saying? Um, right. One thing my dad ta- taught me. He was a very he's a, he is a very pragmatic person, and he's a to the point of like it just it's annoying. Um, but I, I hate to say it cause I, I just, me and him don't get along. So I, it's not fair for me cause I don't, I, I just see so many things about him that I wish were different and I can't I have no control over it, but, uh, he's a very closed minded individual too. Um, but, uh, and he, and he kind of mocks what I do. Um, but that's, that's him and, and he's going to have to learn whether it's in this life or the next, he'll learn. But one of the things he did teach me, and, and he said when I, when I was little, I would have a puppy um, that would grow into a dog. And I always had dogs, two or three of them, because we lived out in the country until I was 15. And if one of them died, I mean, almost immediately, we would go and get another one. And I would be like, at one point, I was kind of like, I don't want another one. You know, I wanted Rascal. You know, and he's like, well, he's gone. Yeah. So we got to go get right. another one. And I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't want, you know... Uh, Lacey, my one dog, Lacey, I don't want another dog. And he goes, let's go back and get another one. And so one day, I, I, I never forget this. Uh, we were driving, and this is this is a true story. We were driving through a hurricane. It was coming onto the shore. My dad's ridiculous. We were driving. We were in Houston. What made you think, hey, let's go, you know, anywhere near this thing? My dad's nuts, right? So we're driving. <laughs> we're driving to get out of there, and there's a hurricane about to hit. And I can't remember which one it was. Because I tried to look it up, and I can't remember if it was just a, an extremely bad tropical storm or if it was a hurricane. And we were driving over this bridge going from Galveston to Houston. I remember looking at the waves and going like, we're going to die. And so my dad, who was a truck driver for 15, 20 years, he was very uh, calm and collected. He ultimately ended up working at Samsung as an electrical engineer. But anyway, he was always very calm. You know, he would he never lost his cool in these these crazy situations. And he's like, we're going to be fine. And then he starts talking to me about uh, my dogs and about, you know, and all this stuff. And in my little young mind, I'm going like, okay, so he's telling me that I should say goodbye to everything I've ever known and we're going to die. And then what he was trying to do was calm me down and get me to talk about other stuff, you know. And he started talking to me about things he never talked to me about, you know. And so I, I just in that moment, I just looked at him and I asked him, I said, I asked him this this strange question. It's one of those things you'll always remember as as long as you live. I said, Dad, you know, when when, uh, Rosie dies, that's my dog. I said, when Rosie dies, is she going to go to heaven? And he's like, well, that's a strange question, but I believe so. 
And, uh, and so I, I, because I was literally in my mind thinking we're going to die in this storm. And I'm wondering if my dog will see me on the other side. <laughs> so I was literally thinking that. So then once we got out of there and we got out of that corridor, we were able to get to the hotel. And then we, we, we left the next day. We got out of there and uh, we're driving down the 290, which is the highway getting out of Houston, whatever. And, and I'll never understand why he, well, we went there. It was weird. So anyways, my dad tells me, he's like, why did you ask that question? Well, I told him, uh, why? And then he told me, he said, he says, if something happens to Rosie, we'll get you another dog immediately. And I was like, I told him, I was like, why do you do that? And I asked him that. I said, why, why is it that if one of our pets dies immediately you go and make this? And he says, because it gives you something else to focus on and something else to love. Right. Because you have this love that has nowhere to go. Okay. And you right. and you're dwelling yeah. on something that's gone. And my dad's like, when something's gone, you move on. Now, it, it sounds a little harsh. It sounds a little uh kind of uh I don't know how if it's I don't know how you would say it. It sounds like a little too pragmatic, especially for like a seven, eight year old kid to process because my dad always treated me like I was a little adult which I think that was a big yeah. flaw of his. He should have treated me more as a child. Instead, he always thought that I was just, because I was, I was smart. I mean, I'm not bragging, saying, oh, I'm a smart kid. I'm a prodigy. But he, he looked at me as like, oh, you're smart. You're smart like me. You know? And because his dad just let him, had him do everything for himself and didn't, didn't really raise him correctly, I think he kind of thought the same thing. Like, oh, this kid's fine. He's smart. He'll just he'll take care of himself, you know? And so he would just talk to me like I was an adult and he just was very pragmatic about it and said, when, when one pet dies, you just go get another one. So you don't dwell on the death of that one. And so that, that was it, you know? And, and, and so in a nutshell, he's kind of correct. Of course, he's a little abrasive the way he explained it. And it isn't, it doesn't really feel good, um, to think like, oh, well, that person's dead time to move on. And let me just love these people and forget about that person. That's not how it works. You're not forgetting about that person. You know, they had their time and it's time to channel your energy and your resources into the people that are still here. And then right. if those people go, then you have other people that you give that love to because you are, a, 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 you are energy. We are all energy inside of a, a, of a shell. And our job here is to love. I mean, that's one thing that Jesus commanded everybody to love one another. And so your job is to, is to love. And so you continue to love. Your mother is gone. What do you do? You love those that you that are in your charge that you've taken, you know, on the responsibility to take care of the people that you've created, you know, your children, you know, and you, you pass that love that, that, that your, your mother gave to you, you pass it on to them and then so on and so forth. And the sort and the life continues. That's how it goes. But people are, right. you know, they don't have the perception really to uh, to accept that and understand that. And we crave the flesh, you know, which is something that we're, because we're, we are flesh, we're trapped in. And, you know, we, we fall into these pitfalls, you know. But uh, that that's my take on it. That's what I believe, you know, and, and take it for what it's worth, you know. And um, I hope that helps. Well, I agree with you. I, <clears throat> I mean... I agree with you very, very much, as a matter of fact, because you're kind of talking about my story. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, and I think that, you know, at some point, whether your sister is a lost soul or she's just, um, I mean, if, if that's the case, that's very sad. I, I would hope that, you know, nobody would, would, would be stuck for, for that. Yeah. And there was really just a lack of perception if she could have perceived it, the situation correctly. One of the hardest things we'll ever do as people is to try to fathom what other people are going through. You know, yeah. when someone is hurting, you know, you see, <clears throat> you see them in pain and you're like, oh, that sucks. They're hurting. What can I do to help this individual? You know, and it's, it's a human, uh, it's very human of us to be like, oh, well, you know what you need to do? Just, you know, just get over there. Just do that. You know? And cause it's not, you're not facing it. You're not dealing with it. So it's easy to sit there and tell mm. somebody, you know, do this, do that and give them, give them advice because you're not, you're not dealing with it. Um, right. but, but, and, and, and then also it's, it's easy for us to go, wow, that sucks. And then you just move on because you're not that person and you're not having to live in that. And if it's something that they themselves have created, it's a lot less to be easier. It's a lot easier to be less sympathetic, but if it's not mm-hmm. something they created, something that's out of their hands and they're suffering, it, it's still an, just an impossibility to really fathom the depths of how bad they're suffering. And all you can do is is try to console them the best you can. But I believe okay. that if we work harder as a people on having perception and being able to perceive the, the pain that others are going through, and I'm not telling you you have to take it on as an empath. You know this, Lisa. I'm not telling you right. to sit there and just take on the anguish and the pain and suffer for them. But I'm telling you, that if everyone had a little more empathy, you know, a little more, I mean, it doesn't take a lot. Just if everybody did it, you know, we would raise the vibration and we would all have a little more perception, which in turn would give us more compassion because we would get a peek into what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Right. And it seems like in the olden days, there was much more of that than there is today. Mm -hmm. So uh, the difference is, Night and day, yeah, yeah, and and we are in a, in a, in a period of darkness. I mean, you know, I I'm not a Hindu, yes, but we I, are. I've read about the uh, the Hindu the belief of the Kali Yuga and how eventually one day Krishna Kalik will return, which sounds very much like Christ. And Islam, they actually believe the same thing. They believe that Christ is going to return. I mean, it's weird that people oh. don't know that. <clears throat> they think that. Yeah, I had a, I had a a, a Christian. Tell me one day, um, not too long ago, and she was like, "We're kind of arguing with me on Facebook, which you know that's that's where you find all the smart people right there." But anyway, she was <laughs> she was over there like, "Well, that's ridiculous." As a Christian, you know, I don't care what these 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 crazy people believe. You know, she was talking about Muslims or whatever, and I was like, I was like, you know, I'm not one to get on there and just champion people's causes or whatever. But I said, "What do you really know about Islam?" And she's like, well, I know that they're this and they're that and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, that is a small section of them, yes. And there are people who are – that subscribe to those kind of views. But I said, do you know that they actually believe in Christ? And she was like, no, they don't. They believe in Muhammad and they think he's going to return and blah, blah, blah. I said, no, they don't. They actually believe that Christ is going to return. <laughs> you know, and hmm, – I didn't know that either. <laughs> well, and, and, and I have a, a Muslim friend of mine that, that listens to my show. He's actually a very nice kid. He's Haitian by birth, but he's uh, a, a Muslim and, and uh, one of – well, actually his buddy works for me too. And he's from Zanzibar. 
And uh, so anyway, th- these guys, I was I was having a conversation with them the other day, and I was talking to them about Islam, and, and we were talking about, you know, and what the Muslims believe is is uh, that that Jesus actually this is where where I differ from them. This is where I become a Christian and I'm not a Muslim and I'm not speaking against anybody's religion. You're free to believe whatever you want. But what I know is that Christ died on the cross for my sins, whereas they believe that he did not die on the cross, that, that God took him because he, he, they didn't, he didn't want him to die. So, and, and it also depends upon the type of Islam. Now, there's different sects of Islam, just as there is different sects of Christianity, of Buddhism, of Hinduism, of all the major religions. The Sikhs have their own belief, the Zoroastrians. Um, a lot of people don't realize that, that, that Zoroastrianism uh, was actually the precursor to Christianity. Uh, somebody asked the question, um, who were the three wise men? And I and I answered the question very bluntly. I said they were Zoroastrians. No, they weren't. They were Christians. And I was like, um, Christ had just been born. Okay. Do you understand yeah. what that means? Christian is a follower. Okay. And they said, right. well, the minute they decided to follow Christ, they, they they became Christian. I said they were following a star. Okay. That was that was showing them the birth of the Savior. Okay, they were Zoroastrians, mm-hmm. and I just I, I didn't have time to argue with them. I said, you know what, you believe what you want, <clears throat> read a book. Okay, I mean it's just you know these people don't <laughs> they don't do that, and then they want to argue about all kinds of things that they don't know about, and I get into arguments about geopolitics, all kinds of stuff. But I just tell all people right. I don't. If you had more perception, you would understand what I'm telling you, and you don't. So never mind. But that that is the mm. the, the crux of it is in all the faiths. It talks about a time that we're living in of darkness, of a tribulation, right. of it's going to get worse before it gets better. But as long as we keep our eyes uh, you know, glued to the prize, which is the, the afterlife, which is the ultimate goal, whether it is going to he- a heavenly realm, whether you believe that in that or not, or whatever, your goal is to get back to the creator, which is God, the, the source, you know, because we are... Right all the spark and, and the life of breath of God. We all have a little oh. bit of God in us. That's what we are. That's why we have that connection. And to get that connection, you have to have perception to even perceive. It's like right. the baby steps. And if you don't even start with that, you don't even have that as a foundation, well, you can't really do much. You know, it's unfortunate. There's so many people out there that don't, you know. But anyways, enough of my long-winded uh diatribe or whatever you want to call it. I, I'm sorry for talking so much. You ladies came on the show and told your stories and I'm over here talking. Um, I appreciate you guys time and, uh, thank you so much for telling me your stories and, uh, my advice, if I were to give you advice, uh, Carla, I, I would say to uh, pray, to pray for her release that she's and, and to forgive her because maybe just maybe that's what she wants. Yeah. You know? Could be. <laughs> yeah, it could be. And uh and Lisa, as far as you go, uh get the heck out of St. Louis, man. Let me tell you right now. Get out of there. Go back <laughs> go, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I I haven't been to St. Louis but one time in my life and I drove right through it and I don't even remember it. It was just like right. I don't even remember I just know that there's the arches. 
And uh, I have a beautiful view of the arch from my apartment. The only, the only thing I don't like I don't like about St. Louis I don't like the Cardinals because the Astros are my team and they were in their division for years and I hated the Cardinals. They used to give us fits. So <laughs> I don't I'm not a Cardinals don't say fan. That to my son-in-law. <laughs> oh, is he a big Cardinals guy? Oh yeah! Oh my gosh, they're, they're nuts about their Cardinals over there. Let me tell you, man. I mean, I had a buddy that was a St. Louis Cardinals fan, and he was just absolutely nuts about them, dude. Yeah, man. I'm so. Anyways, folks, that's all we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, our, our guests, Lisa and, and Carla, and uh, they're originally from Washington. Talked about ghosts, Bigfoot, and all kinds of other stuff. And uh, like, like you know, PRT, we we start going down the rabbit hole and you never know when we end up. So for everybody here at PRT, myself, my co-host who's sleeping in the office over here, <laughs> it's like he did the intro and he's like, well, I'm out. So um, that's it for, 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 from all of us. Y'all want to say good night, ladies? Yes. Good night, everyone. everyone. And thank you so much, Josh. I enjoyed this. Um, sorry, my phone was, doing some weird stuff <laughs> well the listeners won't even know because we're going to edit all that out so folks you're not going to know about the abduction that took place during the show <laughs> well, you know, carla us. is now sprouting wings we, we, <laughs> oh did i say that out loud no there was some weird stuff some some disruption some interference some it was actually kind of weird at one point i called back and it sounded like some kind of garbled i don't know what that was that was weird, and then and then I called again, and I got a hold of Lisa, but that'll all be edited yeah. out. So, so folks, we appreciate y'all listening. Thank you for tuning in, and don't forget about the contest. Uh, go and drop a, a a comment, and you will be entered to win a book, a possible uh, prize. So, and everybody, thank you, and good night. Good night. Thank you. Good night, everyone.